Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In the Gun, episode 125, I'm Skylar Callahan. That is the signal caller, Jed Drenning. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We are here. Uh, we're going to be here with Phil Stilk here in a few moments, breaking out some Big 12, Top 25, and West Virginia Baylor, as we do each and every single week. Uh, but we want to say uh, thank you guys for tuning in to not only this week, but every week, every episode that you guys watch here of In the Gun. We couldn't thank you enough. Uh, it, it's been quite the ride, Jed, that we've had over the last several months and for you guys over the last year. It has. And Phil has obviously been a tremendous addition. Uh, we've got so much energetic feedback from folks that just love it love here phil Steele talking and breaking down college football and, and uh, analyzing what goes into his thoughts and what picks should be and, and uh, we've highlighted through our twitter account some of the things that he's done this year that were just uncanny and uh yeah. it, it's been great having him on board this year it really has yeah so there's some games if you're wondering why this is dropping today instead of friday there are some games that he's going to be talking about uh, on Friday, starting at noon. So we're going to make sure that we maximize this window here. You get kind of Phil's idea. You can pick his brain. So if you're going to make some bets this weekend, this is probably the guy you want to listen to. So we'll get to him in a minute. Uh, probably not the guys that you want to listen to in terms of your bets or handicaps, and that would be Jed and myself. Um, but let's see how we did last week. No, you don't. Uh, last week. Uh, okay, our prop bet, Skyler. We said, okay, we talked Cincinnati's running game. Cincinnati was averaging 223 a game coming into Morgantown. They actually led the Big 12 in uh, rushing on the road at 235 a game. Uh, the question was, will Cincinnati rush for at least 180 yards? Again, they were averaging 223 overall. Uh, we both said, yes, they will rush for over 180 yards or at least 180 yards and double X on that one. Uh, the answer was no West Virginia held Cincinnati to 141 rushing yards. And this is a theme that I've been talking about, uh, quite a bit this week, West Virginia, uh, unless I'm mistaken has now held seven out of 11 opponents under their season rush average. So wow. missed that one. Number two. Time of possession. This was a tug of war between two teams that ranked one and two in time of possession. The top two teams in the Big 12, Cincinnati came into the game, number two in all of power five in time of possession on the road. Again, they lean into the run game, they lean into defense, and they play keep away on the road better than most. West Virginia entered the game uh, number two in the country overall in time of possession. The question, quite simply, who will win the time of possession battle? We both picked West Virginia. Ding, ding. West Virginia did win the town possession in dominant fashion, actually held on to the football for 34 minutes and 49 seconds. Number three, we focused on West Virginia's rush yards. And we talked about the last time these two teams had played way back in 2011 in a Big East battle at Paul Brown Stadium. One of the quirky things about that game, Zach Kalaros was hurt early in the game. Zach Kalaros is making his, or just made his fourth start in the gray cup in a row yeah he's about to or just did we were talking to their play-by-play guy and he was explaining that to us he's made a heck of a career for himself up he's in a the legend football league but e either way uh in that game in 2011 
West Virginia, we threw all over them. Geno had a big day, but we only ran the football for 32 yards. So the question was, well, West Virginia, a much more rush-heavy team this time around, rushed for more than 32 yards in the first quarter. And I said, yes, they will. You said, no, they won't. The answer was, yes, they will. 86 yards rushing on their way to 424. So we got the ball first. We moved it well, and we didn't stop moving it. So on the day for the three picks, I was two for three. You were one for three. Again. So that's how they shook out last week. We got some interesting ones this week coming up. Again, I'm a pitcher, so I'll take that 333 batting average all day long, baby. You can keep on giving that to me. And I'll say this, though. What Zach Frazier did against Dante Corleone, that, that's going to raise his draft stock even more than it already was probably going to be um, heading into the offseason. But also, too, if you could run for 424 against that defensive front, you got to be looking your chops if you're if you're looking at uh, this Baylor defense this week because they've been having trouble fitting the run all season long. So, biggest shortcoming uh, with Dante Corleone's game, he doesn't have a lot of length to him. Right. Okay. Uh, he's he's somewhat of a compact football player. He's strong. We talked about his eye discipline. Uh, he's explosive. He has violent hands. Uh, but Zach had the reach on him. And what Zach did a good job of is holding him at bay and really not letting him get into Jack's ch- to a Zach's chest plate. And uh, he did that quite a bit throughout the day. But but uh, we talked in the previous episode this week, I went on a rant about some of the, the analytic sites and just how absurd it was with, with the, uh, the blocking grade that some of the analytic sites were attaching to the performance that Zach had against Cincinnati. And I'm watching the tape thinking, brother, what are you looking at? And even the coaching <laughs> staff, they graded Zach out at 95%. And I'm like, be very careful with these analytic sites unless you yep. are corroborating it with thorough film study. Don't pay attention to their 10 best plays. Don't pay attention to their 10 worst. Take the 40 snaps in the middle, and that's how you find out if you're getting a true eval. Because sometimes the analytic sites are great. And uh, you can tell that it's a former coach, maybe evaluate whoever it is. They know what they're doing. And you, you kind of get in a groove. And it, as you see the number and you're studying the tape yourself, you you get a clue. Uh, all right, whoever's doing this really has their thumb on the pulse of it, understand it. But sometimes you're like, who evaluated this for this metric site? Because, <laughs> wow, I'm, the last it's thing bad. I'm going to do is just say, well, blindly, blindly trust these numbers without vetting it against tape because Zach played a will of a football game but not according to the, to some of the metric sites. So yeah, there you have it. Yeah. And you know, my story on that. And um, yeah. I, I think you got to be careful with some of those sites. I won't throw the, the site out there that does it, but I do know that there's one site that you basically just have to get a very average grade to, to pass and become one of their, their graders. So it's, it's uh it's an interesting thing. I would trust more so what the coaches would say in terms of their internal grading. I know they're not going to release that, but um, yeah, I, I would be very careful with what you look at in terms of those grades. Sometimes they don't always tell, tell, uh, tell everything. So we'll go ahead and get right into field here as we are getting deeper into this Thanksgiving week. West Virginia Baylor wrapping up the season on Saturday down in Waco. FS1, another uh, night game for Jed to come back home on. <laughs> I'm sure he's loving that, but 
Uh, we'll go ahead and get to Phil here right after this break from Toothman Ford, where we all know car cars cost less than Grafton. Nobody supports the Blue and Gold Mountaineers like Toothman Ford. With over 20 NIL deals and counting, Toothman Ford continues to rally behind our student-athletes. And it's time we rally and support the dealer that supports the Mountaineers. Not only does Toothman Ford offer the best prices in the state on pre-owned, their never-over MSRP campaign on new Fords guarantee to, to save, save you thousands. thousands. Drive with pride all season long, knowing you're supporting the dealer that fuels our Mountaineers. Toothman Ford, where cars cost less. In Grafton and at ToothmanFord.com. For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In the Gun Podcast. It is the final week of the regular season. Can't believe it's already here. And Phil has been so gracious with his time each week to come on and join with us, us goon heads, for a little bit of time out of his Thursdays and Wednesdays and all these different days throughout the week. But Phil, we thank you so much uh, for, for being a part of this show this year. It's It's been a blast, and I know we've got a couple more with you, but just wanted to say thank you for, for being a part of this. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, and thanks to West Virginia for having a really good season, making it more yeah. enjoyable. Can you imagine if we were 3-8 and eight at this point? It <laughs> wouldn't be a lot of fun. <laughs> no, it certainly wouldn't. It definitely makes one, uh, this, this show, our jobs, much easier, much more fun to talk about than maybe a coach being on the hot seat. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's go ahead and get things kicked off here with some top 25 action. This is a big one. Uh, Oregon State at Oregon. Oregon has been on a roll lately. Bo Nix kind of putting himself more and more in this Heisman conversation. Oregon State off the heels of a, of a back, backbreaker to Washington. Uh, Oregon's got to get this one, obviously, to stay alive in the CFP. Where do you see this one going, Phil? Yeah, tough loss last week for Oregon State. They ended up with a 22-14 first down edge. The yardage edge just uh, came up a little short on the scoreboard. But if you follow Oregon State, they're almost unbeatable at Reeser Stadium. However, on the road, it's a different story. Already this year, they've lost at Washington State. They've lost at Arizona. Uh, the Colorado game was not an impressive win. So they haven't played as well on the road. Meanwhile, Autzen Stadium is one of the tougher venues out there. You know, one thing I really like about this game, is that last year when these two uh, played, it was 31-10 to 10, Oregon in the third quarter, and that was with a banged-up Bo Nix. If you watch that game, uh, and I watched it a second time over this summer, uh, Nix is basically not running the football. He's hobbling around, so he's just basically a uh, pocket passer, which takes away from his game. And they still led 31-10 to 10 and blew it. They blew the game. Oregon State came back and won at 38-34. So if... Oregon gets a lead like I think they will here in Austin Stadium against a Beaver team that's not as good on the road. Uh, I, I think they put the hammer down in the second half, knowing that last year they blew a 21-point lead late in the third quarter. Also, my metrics show Oregon right now number one in the country in my average game grade. I mean, they're a strong running team. They average six yards a carry. They had 78% of their passes. They're tough against the run. They're tough against the pass. They've got good special teams. They really are a complete team. So I like the uh, the Ducks to get this one comfortably at home and get the revenge for last year. Well, let's jump down to the Plains where you have an interesting Iron Bowl, Alabama coming to town as a heavy favorite. If ever there was a look-ahead game, you have to think that <laughs> the Auburn Tigers last week getting knocked off by three touchdowns at home against New Mexico <laughs> State. They come limping in. But, of course, throw it all out for the Iron Bowl. Uh, what, what do you think shakes out here with the uh, the Tigers and the Tide? 
Yeah, and this is a, a series that the, the home team has actually had the edge. You go back and take a look. Uh, the home team is nine and two straight up in the series, and uh, nine one and one against the spread. So Jordan Hare is going to be loud. It's going to be a pumped up, and you're going to see a completely different Auburn team. You know what a what a difference in performance from going into Arkansas and winning forty eight to ten to actually being dominated. And you know sometimes when you play a game like that against New Mexico State, a couple of fluky things happen here and there, and you lose. They just got beat top to bottom, right at the line of scrimmage, uh, out first down two to one, out gained two to one in the game and never were really in it. So I do think Auburn will have a much better performance this week, but I find a tough time going against Alabama. Alabama's playing some really good football right now. And I think this Alabama team currently, if you took them against the Alabama team that started the season, I would favor Alabama currently by about 14 points. I mean, they've got Jalen Milrow now, a confident quarterback. They've got the run game. The offensive line's playing better. You look uh, early in the year, they were giving up a boatload of sacks. In fact, they were among the worst teams in the country in sacks allowed. Last three weeks, they've only given up three sacks total. So playing a lot better on the offensive line. They've got the quarterback play. Uh, the receiving core is coming along. The defense has been solid all year. Uh, and I think you're not going to see a letdown here for Alabama. They were able to rest a lot of players last week against Chattanooga. Yeah, they got a big game against Georgia on deck, but I'm going to take Bama to go into Jordan here and come out of there with a, a win by more than the two touchdowns. Phil, a big a ticket for the Big Ten championship is on the line for the game between Ohio State and Michigan, this one in Ann Arbor. And also, this could be a CFP elimination game. Michigan's won the last two. Do they get a third straight over the Buckeyes? Yeah, and, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I would say about four weeks ago, if I looked at this matchup, I would have picked Michigan by a touchdown because Ohio State's offensive line, Ohio State's run game just didn't look good. And, you know, they still had a, a Kyle McCord who, uh, you know, he hadn't played Penn State yet or Wisconsin. did look good in the final drive against Notre Dame. Uh, and, you know, you look at the series history, as you mentioned, Michigan has won the last two. And, you know, one of the narratives I hear is that Michigan just absolutely dominated Ohio State at the line of scrimmage last year. That's really not true. If you go back and watch a game at the half, Ohio State had a 16 to four first down edge in the game. Michigan got two long passes for touchdowns. And then the second half, they had two long runs for touchdowns. You take away those two long runs. Michigan only averaged 2.9 yards per carry. So it's not like they were blowing Ohio State off the ball last year, but that's the narrative around the country. Now this year, I think Ohio State's got a much improved defense. In fact, they're holding opponents to 101 yards per game below their season average. And I mentioned four or five weeks ago, well, Travion Henderson came back in the lineup, and it's been a complete difference in the run game. You've got the last four weeks, they're averaging 5.2 yards per carry, almost 200 yards on the ground. They've got a guy in Marvin Harrison who's sort of been underutilized the last couple of weeks because the run game's been so solid, but they're going to hit Marvin Harrison in this game. And this is by far the most important game for Ryan Day. He can't afford to lose three straight. Now, you've got a Kyle McCord that's now played at Notre Dame, at Wisconsin, home to Penn State, so he's had some big games under his belt. Uh, and I think right now Ohio State's just playing better. So I'm going to go with Ohio State to go on the road and uh, get the win outright here in uh, Ann Arbor. Phil, let's jump into the Big 12. Uh, you have in the Palace on the Prairie, Oklahoma, with uh, potentially a trip to Jerry World for the Big 12 title game on the line against a TCU team coming to town that has to win to become bowl eligible. Josh Hoover, I'll tell you what, when he's hot, he's hot. Does TCU have enough to come in there and give Oklahoma some trouble. 
I think they will give him a, a trouble for a while, but this is an Oklahoma team that is tougher at home, as West Virginia fans found out two weeks ago. Uh, last week's game against BYU, sort of an aberration, I think. They did struggle. They could easily have lost to BYU if not for the 100-yard interception return for a touchdown. But I think we're going to see more of the Oklahoma team that beat West Virginia two weeks ago. And with TCU, you know, they've been playing good all year. And as you mentioned, Josh Hoover is good. And Chandler Morris even got in five pass attempts last week. So the possibility is there that uh, they could use him more this week. But I think Oklahoma is a more complete team. They're at home for this one. And they're sort of playing with a little bit of revenge. I mean, last year, TCU didn't just beat them. They beat them down 55-24. to 24. So I think Oklahoma remembers that a little bit. And that was a game where Dylan Gabriel was not available. Gabriel got knocked out of last week's game against BYU, missed the second half. I think Gabriel will be back this week. And with that the case, I like Oklahoma. I think they're only laying like 10 points in this game. I like the Sooners to win this one by a couple of touchdowns. Texas Tech at Texas and a win for the Longhorns will put them in the Big 12 championship. Texas Tech's won three in a row, uh, but one of those games comes against Kansas with their backup quarterback. Well, technically their third string quarterback and UCF. So it was a one point win over the Knights last week. Is there any way, Phil, that, that the Red Raiders can give the Longhorns a scare? I don't see it happening here. Uh, as you know, Texas Tech, I, I think they're not as strong on the road whatsoever as they are at home. And last week's game against UCF was a missed extra point that gave them basically the win in that one. UCF also had missed field goal and a couple other things that happened. UCF probably should have won that game last week. And now Texas Tech's on the road, same place where they lost to Wyoming. They lost to West Virginia. They lost to BYU. Uh, and Texas is a team that uh, they just look so good on the hoof, don't they, guys? I mean, yes. they have got the uh, the running backs. Even with Brooks out, they've got Baxter and Blue. They've got Ur, uh, Quinn Ewers at uh, quarterback. They've got the dangerous receivers, a big physical offensive line. Defensive line looks good. Linebackers look good. Secondary looks good. Uh, this is really a talented team. So I, I don't see Texas backing off at all. Uh, I like the Longhorns to get this one at home against a Texas Tech team that's not as good on the road. Down at the bounce house in Orlando, UCF looking for win number six to get bowl eligible in their first year in the Big 12. They're hosting Houston. Phil, I don't even think I have to check. This is six consecutive games in which Houston has not managed 400 yards of total offense under Dana Holgerson. I don't think that's ever happened with Dana. Uh, what do you see shaping out with Houston's trip to Orlando? Uh, you know, I look at this UCF team and it sort of surprises me a little bit that they're playing in, with the need for a bowl game because they've looked pretty good this year. You go back and look at the Baylor game where they had the big lead and blew it. You look at the Oklahoma game where they only lost by two. Uh, and the last week's Texas Tech game, they could easily have won that. So this is one where uh, they have been uh, able to, uh, you know, could they easily have a much better record. It's in the bounce house where they're pretty dangerous. Uh, and I think they're the better team. So I, I definitely like UCF to get bowl eligible this week. Uh, I'm I'm pretty impressed with uh, with UCF this year. I think they're better than their record indicates. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, uh, UCF in this one to get bowl eligible. BYU at Oklahoma State. The Cougars have lost four in a row, but despite that, they can still get bowl eligible too with a win this week. But they've got a tough one in Stillwater against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And they've got a little something on the line, too. If they win, they're probably getting in. I think they are they actually locked themselves into the Big 12 title with a win. So who gets what they want here, Phil? You know, and what I've said all year long about BYU, I mean, last year was probably their best game they've played all year. 
but other than that, they've been outgained by 102 yards per game. This is sort of a fake team. I, I don't think they deserve bowl eligibility this year. Uh, you know, they've got Jake Retzloff at the QB spot. He's got a 3-3 ratio. They really uh, they ran the ball last week. They've actually run the ball the last two weeks, so the run game's getting a little bit better. But I, this is a team that gets outgained by 100 yards per game. And you guys know I've been riding Oklahoma State ever since that Kansas State game. I, I was wrong the UCF week, but other than that, it's been pretty much go uh, Cowboys. And the uh, Cowboys are at home for this one. And as you mentioned, if they win, they're, they're, uh, I believe they need all they need is Texas Tech to lose to Texas for them to be in the Big 12 title game. And that's odds are that's going to happen. So uh, I like Oklahoma State big in this one. Bill, in the Queen City, in, in a strange way, even though this never happened, this kind of feels like an old Big East game. you got Kansas at Cincinnati. It has that vibe to it. Kansas coming off a very tough loss in a rivalry game. Cincinnati trying to recover from their trip to Morgantown. Uh, first of all, what's the situation with Cole Ballard, with Jason Bean, the quarterback uh, spot at Kansas? Uh, that that kind of figured into what happened last week against Kansas State. What do you see? Uh, what do you see shaking out here with the Jayhawks trip into Cincinnati? Yeah, and despite being down to Cole Ballard last week, they played a really good game. Uh, you know, Kansas State had the, what the blocked uh, extra point return for two helped them out. Uh, you know, that was a three point swing. And also the fumbled punt return. Overall, they had a 396, 331-yard edge against a really good Kansas State team. So I was impressed with what I saw from Kansas last week in the loss. I, I had liked Kansas State in that game, and they, they gave him a tougher game than I expected. I think Bean has the possibility of returning this week. Uh, they've got Neal and, and Highshaw at the running back spot. The, the defense has been somewhat of a question mark all year, but they're playing better. You know, in the last three games, they haven't allowed over 350 yards in any of the three games. So they're they're playing better defensively. Cincinnati, meanwhile, has only got three wins this year. They're going nowhere. They struggled to stop the run last week uh, against West Virginia, and I think they struggled to stop the run this week against Kansas. I like the Jayhawks going there and get a, a comfortable win. My preseason Big 12 pick, Kansas State, is still alive, but they need a little bit of help. Iowa State, on the other hand, they didn't get to play that spoiler role that they so often do in late November last week against Texas, but they can do so in a different fashion in terms of the Big 12 race here against Kansas State. Phil, is Kansas State going to find a way to come away with this one and find their way into the Big 12 title game or have a chance at least getting there? Yeah, I think Kansas State wins the game. Uh, I think it's going to be a good game, though, probably better than expected. I believe they're a double-digit favorite, and I think Iowa State can hang with them, definitely. Uh, in fact, last week's game against Texas, once again, a blocked extra point return for two was probably the difference spread-wise. So Iowa State was a seven-and-a-half-point underdog, and had that extra point just gone through the upright, they would have lost by seven and covered last week's game. So they're still a very dangerous team. Uh, but Kansas State at home this year has been dominating. They're uh, they're beating teams by 33 points per game. They're outgaining them by 199 yards per game. They're back at home for this one, and I think that's going to be enough for them to get the win. So I do like K State to win the game. All right, Phil. Let's uh, let's turn our attention now to the matchup uh, in uh, Waco between the Mountaineers and the Bears. Uh, West Virginia has been a better road team this year, but we're still kind of disjointed up and down. Is it going to be the West Virginia team that marched into TCU or into the bounce house and won? Is it going to be the West Virginia team that lost on the Hail Mary at Houston or that didn't show up in uh, Norman? Uh, traditionally, uh, more recently especially, we've struggled uh, at Baylor, but but Baylor has its own set of problems. Uh, I guess all this starts with Blake Shapen behind center. It looks like he's not going to be a go. What do you see playing out here in this matchup? 
Yeah, I don't expect Shapin to play, and that means it's down to Sawyer Robinson. Now, with uh, Sawyer Robertson, they did play three games already this year. Utah earlier, they gave Utah a really good game, only lost by seven. They beat Long Island, and then they got crushed by Texas. Uh, the thing that concerns me was Sawyer, only one touchdown pass, four interceptions on the year. And I think what's going to happen in this game, guys, you will see West Virginia's offensive line dominate. Uh, Baylor's got a good defense under Aranda, but uh, on the season, uh, they've had some times where they've given up. In fact, in conference play, they're giving up 5.1 yards per carry. So look for West Virginia's offensive line to dominate. That's a really good group that they've got there. Also, Donaldson, I think, will be back closer to full health this week. And then the other thing that goes in West Virginia's favor, much like last week's game against TCU for Baylor, Dave Miranda goes for it on fourth down a lot. And it was a 14-10 game at the half. Baylor was playing well. Then in the second half, uh, Baylor went for it three straight times on fourth down, twice in its own territory. Got stopped all three times. TCU got touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. All of a sudden, it's a 42-17 final. And that's been happening all year with Baylor. Uh, Aranda had a lot of success going forward on fourth down the year that they got to the uh, the January 1 bowl game. But since then, they have been struggling on fourth down. So I think if West Virginia can get Baylor off the field on fourth down, that's going to tack on a couple of scores for West Virginia. And uh, I like the Mountaineers to win this one by double digits. So I, I think it's going to be a nice win. The other factor they got going for them is, shockingly, coming into the year, you looked at Baylor and you said, hey, they got eight home games this year. You know how many games they've won this year at home against FBS foes? They have won zero. They're 0-6. So uh, they really I, – I don't think they have much of a home edge for this one. I'm going to go with West Virginia by double digits. Phil, if West Virginia wins this game, they're going to finish the season 8-4 and four and a 6-3 and three record in Big 12 play. This is, again, for a team that was preseason picked to finish dead last, 14th in the Big 12. So, to me, that would mean that Neil Brown has to be Big 12 Coach of the Year. I, I get you can make a play for Steve Sarkeesian if they get to the Big 12 title, maybe even the college football playoff, but they were picked to win the league. They were expected to be there. And you can maybe even make a case for Mike Gundy. They were picked seventh. If they get to the Big 12 title, I get that. But for a team and a coach that was picked dead last to finish with an eight and four, six and three record, to me, that's that's the no-brainer coach of the year. What do you think about the coach of the year in the Big 12? Now, first of all, my magazine, I didn't pick them last. I had them low, but I didn't pick them right. last in the Big 12. So I want to throw that out. <laughs> but, uh, I, I would agree. I, I think that Neil Brown has done a fantastic job. And, you know, I'll go back to the conversation I had with him uh, in the spring going over the team with him. He was super high in the offensive line with me. He was super high in the run game. And I was like, well, okay, you know, I'll, I'll trust you on this. And, man, he has been very accurate, uh, 233 yards on the ground. 5.1 yards per carry and only nine sacks allowed all year. Uh, that has really been the difference in this year's team. So I think Neil Brown's done a fantastic job. A lot of pressure coming on the year. Let's face it, he was on everybody's hot seat list. But he's not only off the hot seat. Uh, I think he is deserving of the Big 12 Coach of the Year. Awesome. Yep, and an opportunity with a win at Waco gives them a chance to get to nine wins, something they haven't done since at least 2016, uh, the year in which they won 10 games with Skylar Howard at the helm. So Phil, we thank you so much once again for coming on. We'll be back with you uh, next week to talk some conference championship showdowns. And for you and, and all the listeners out there, have yourself a very happy and yes. a safe Thanksgiving. Yes, you as well. And, uh, we again, we'll be talking to Phil next week for uh, conference championship week. And then we'll also get him back 
here at some point in the month of December to talk in the bowl matchup for West Virginia, whoever and wherever that may be. We'll get Phil's thoughts back on. So don't worry. We'll have Phil Steele back on here with us on In the Gun a couple of more times before we close out the 2023 football season. And, uh, yes, happy Thanksgiving, Phil, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyd's of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations with more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. All right, so to wrap up our shows for the week, we're going to go ahead and dive into our ITG handicap picking uh, segment here. West Virginia, Baylor, I'm going to go 333 on that batting average again, more than likely. Jed may go 1,000, so let's see what we got. All right, let's start with this one. The Baylor defense has faced 27.5 pass attempts per game this year. That is the fewest in the Big 12. People really aren't trying to throw on Baylor. Uh, but curiously, in the last two weeks, Kansas State and TCU saw something they liked and put it up in the air 34 times on average in those two games. The question, quite simply, WVU pass attempts against Baylor over under 27.5. I got my answer here, Skylar, so I'll get you started. I'm going to say no. Yeah. Uh, West Virginia, it, it's close. West Virginia, 11 games, has gone under that total six times, but we've gone over at five. So <laughs> it, it's close. But I'm, I'm going to say under for West Virginia, 27.5. What say you? I, I'm right there with you. I think it's the under. When you run for 400-plus yards last week, you're going to want to go back to the well. And, and Baylor, they have, again, they have troubles fitting the run. They've had troubles with tackling. They, they just – they don't do well against the run. So I think it would be – kind of crazy not to just lean on the run in this game do kind of honestly a similar game plan to what you did last week even get Garrett Green involved so yeah I'm gonna say I'll even go a step further and say maybe it's not even over 23 23 you're getting specific aren't you oh yeah that's like my number that. right there all right so number two the Baylor offense has allowed 7.3 tackles for loss per game. That's the most in the Big 12. They had to replace a ton in the offseason. And the irony here is Jeff Grimes takes great pride in the scheme that he runs, doesn't often let his, his offense get knocked backwards. They're a big stretch zone team. Uh, they, they don't allow a lot of penetration traditionally, but they the, the, it's been a different narrative this year. That O-line struggled. They're very young. Uh, they haven't gelled. So they're giving up 7.3 TFLs per game. Uh, West Virginia defensively is averaging 6.2 TFLs per game. So question number two, TFLs for WVU's defense against Baylor. Over, under, six and a half. Mm -hmm. Let's say you. 
I'm going to go against my gut here, and I want to go under. And the only reason I say that is because Blake Shapin may be doubtful or maybe out for this game. And I think the game plan will be to get the ball out of Robertson's hands quick uh, in the past game. So they're not going to put themselves in way for sacks and, and stuff like that. But so I think that'll take away some of those, uh, the run game. I actually think the running backs are pretty decent. They just, it seems like they get behind in these games and they have no choice, but to throw the ball. So I think they're going to set the tone early with the run game, especially with the backup quarterback. And I think they'll, they'll, they'll find some success in there. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I'm going to say under. Uh, now, despite the fact that in conference play, Baylor is that number inflates to 7.9 TFLs per game they've allowed. West Virginia has only hit that number three times defensively. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go under as well. Number three. Uh, Baylor is 13th in the Big 12 in rushing offense. They're averaging 114 yards per game. Remember that number. Uh, but the Bears have enjoyed much success on the ground against West Virginia in our five trips to Waco. They've averaged four, 249 yards a game in those five God. trips. That's inflated by chunky totals early on. The game yeah. we played at Floyd Casey in 2013, they gashed us for 468. They had 304 in 2015. But the lowest rushing total WVU has held the Bears to on the road in Waco was 127 yards in those five games. The Mountaineers, meanwhile, as I mentioned earlier, have held seven of 11 opponents under their season rushing average. So here's the numbers. Baylor's averaging 114 a game on the ground. The lowest West Virginia has held them to is 127 in Waco. The question, quite simply, will WVU hold Baylor under 127 yards rushing. Hmm. What do you say? I think I want to go yes, but I'm going to go no. Again, going back to kind of what I just said a minute ago with they got to get the ground game going. That, that's their only chance really in this game to kind of hang around. Sawyer Robinson, even though he has some experience, he's only completing passes at a 50% rate. One touchdown to four picks. I think you have to run the ball. So, it could be a similar game like like Cincinnati last week, where you keep them in check, and then the fourth quarter they get some they get some of that yardage in that fourth quarter. Uh, that's my exact thinking. You have most likely a backup quarterback. You're going to have to lean on the run game. You're going to have to find a way to gel up front. Uh, when they do throw the uh, football, I see it being either max protect or an extension of the run game. Yeah. Uh, so 127 yards. That's that's a tall ask. Uh, uh, I'm going to say Baylor does get to 127 uh, because they'll be committed to running the football. Now, normally we'd be over, we'd be done, but since it is the last regular season uh, session of the year with our prop bets, <laughs> one quick bonus question, all right? In 11 games between these two teams since WVU joined the Big 12, the offenses have scored 38-plus points 11 times. Several times, both in the same game, shootouts. Mm -hmm. Of course, the famous 70 to 63 game. Last year it was 43 to 40. Both offenses again over 38. In other words, it's happened half the time. 11 games gives you 22 chances for an offense to score 20, 38 points or more. Uh, and it's happened in 11 of those 22 opportunities. The question is number four, our final question Will one or both? of these teams scored 38-plus points Saturday night 
in Waco? Yes or no? Ooh. I think we should put all answer. put all of these picks on a parlay and see what the I'm odds are. No. I'm, I'm saying no. You're saying no? I'm saying no. I, I'm saying yes. I think West Virginia okay. hits 40. Um okay. I, I just I, I think they they're in a, a rhythm offensively right now, and I think they're feeling themselves. I I don't know. I, I just I feel good about it. But again, this is probably where you know my three thirty three batting average comes into play. But this is an extra bet, so maybe it doesn't really count. I I really really hope I'm wrong with that one. Yeah, I really really hope because I mean you can get in the mid thirties and not hit this number. So. Yeah, West Virginia, by the way, speaking of spreads, they're nine-and-a-half-point favorites as we record this, which has jumped up a full three points since it opened, and I, I assume a lot of that has to do with Blake Shapin and his status kind of being uh, very murky right now. So we'll see how the Mountaineers close out the season this Saturday in Waco. Again, 7 o'clock kickoff. FS1 is where you can catch it, and we'll be back next week to recap it all here on in the gun make sure you hit that subscribe button on youtube at in the gun podcast and give us a follow on x at the same handle and remember as you're watching on fs1 turn the volume down and listen to the radio broadcast and sync it up yes and get jed's uh delightful and very insightful sideline reporting for that game and and look i i don't mean to to bring this up yet but if there's a sideline reporter out there that you want to trust, it's it's the signal caller. You don't have to worry about fake reports being made. Yeah, you're not Carissa Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Carissa Thompson. Come on. My goodness. She she ruined the reputation for all of you guys, but that's okay. We we believe in you. Brought up the meeting. <laughs> so Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Once again, we thank you guys for tuning in each and every single episode and week and hope you can do so next week and throughout the offseason. We're not going away. Um, So, as always, be an ear and tell an ear about your favorite WVU football podcast. You've been in the gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.